Alright everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming, it's episode number 196, hooray! Yay! Uh, it's just the two of us this week, uh, welcome to Glitch Free Gaming, a yeah. podcast about playing games, be it video games, board games, mobile games, all sorts of games. Uh, I am Mike, as usual, and uh, with me I have the lying, treacherous bastard that is Kira. That's my name. The full lying, treacherous bastard bit as well. Yeah, that's my parents really thought I had uh, that one. Yeah, no, they did. A lot of foresight. Um, <laughs> if you are wondering what the hell we're on about, then uh, stay tuned. Uh, we have been playing some very cool board games, and we'll get to that section uh, later on. But uh, let's do what we always do and dive straight in. Yeah. Um, not a lot, really. Looking at the uh, uh, our Word document that we have, uh, there's not. We've been quite busy with other things. So, uh, Kieran, you've only played two things. Uh, you've played. I don't know if you've we've spoken about Floor Kids on the podcast yet. I think we talked about it back when it first came out because it came out a yes. while ago, and I picked up. And I think you've picked up as well. I have, yes, yeah. Um, but I didn't really get super into it until like last week, basically. <laughs> so all right. Um. Like, I played it here and there, and I liked the idea of it, but it didn't really click with me. All right, okay. I um, I think I got quite far in it. So I, I'm i not even that far in it. Like, I've got through the first, like, three sets of levels, maybe four sets of levels, something like that. Um, but I've been replaying levels a lot to get higher scores in them. Okay. Um, mainly because I kind of, like, figured out how the core mechanics work, and I was like, okay, well, this is how this works. So, yeah, it's know, yeah, it's basically just about combos, really, isn't it? Yeah, and all the combos are like preset things. So really, you have to kind of memorize the names of different moves. Yes. So, you have like uh, so people don't know it's a rhythm game for stars. Um, <laughs> you hit buttons on the rhythm, but that doesn't really you get points for that, but it's not really the core part of it. The core part of it is more this combo stuff where you have. Uh, basically three different kind of stances you can be in you can be in like uh, a high stance a low stance and then like on the ground doing break dancing moves yeah and you can combo all those things into each other and you do different ones by hitting different uh, face buttons or di- different directions depending on which stance you're in and what you're trying to do and some of them you hold a button and then you do a freeze move as well and that's another thing you can do and there's basically like four four different types of moves which is those three stances and then a freeze one as well and then each of those has like four variations of it based on the face buttons and it's really cool like you could do all that stuff to beat and every face button you use uh, will show the name of the move so like when I use a character because there's different characters and they all have different moves um the first thing I do is basically kind of just cycle through all of them and like memorize the different moves. It's like, oh, I know that this yeah. and this does this. You know, this does the you know moonwalk. This does a freeze walk. This does whatever, whatever. And uh, once you memorize those, uh, you see that combos show up underneath most of them. Not all of them. I think every character has at least like five or six different combos. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll do one of the moves and underneath it will give the name of another move and once you do that it will reveal the name of another move 
and then it also clicked with me that breakdancing moves do different things depending on whether you cycle the uh, analog stick in a counterclockwise or a clockwise direction yes yeah. which i was like how the fuck do i do that move like i know breakdancing moves you do it in a clockwise uh, you like rotate the stick and you hold a button and rotate the stick to do a different move but actually also you hold a button and do it in a different direction to do another move <laughs> yes um and then all that stuff combos together in just really cool ways and it looks so nice like that was the main th- reason i bought it in the first place was just hey there's this rhythm game that has this really nice art style and i was like that's <laughs> that sounds like my thing <laughs> i love that kind of thing <laughs> um but it just didn't grab me the first time i thought it was okay but not amazing um but they have sat and played way more of it uh, my only issue is it is kind of samey because i feel like even though the songs are all different and the songs are all really good from what i've heard so far um the way you score points is basically the same no matter what like the rhythm changes yes. slightly but yeah once you know the combos for that character you're just doing those combos for that character to a slightly different rhythm yes yeah um they i found that the beats are you know that they're the songs that the beats tend to be uh monotonous is the wrong word but you know it's a constant beat and it doesn't vary yeah. you know so you, you're basically once you get that beat and you're tapping the, the buttons over and over again then it is just a case of trying to do the the moves and combos yeah. naturally you know so if you've ever seen break dancing or anything like that it's just you logically going right you know i will do the back flips and then from the back flips i'd transition to you know some sort of floor spin or something yeah um so, yeah and hmm. but no sorry yeah it's just, but I, I really enjoy it it's just it's not one you can sit and just hammer through everything in because you will just get bored because it's just like i made it a bit more entertaining for myself by <clears> switching between characters so i didn't know the combos off the bat and so yeah it introduces that few minutes at the start not minutes but a few seconds at the start of every you know level where you're learning the moves first yeah um yeah i i went back there just as we were talking just to see how much i'd done and i've pretty much rinsed the game and i've only played it <laughs> twice yeah it's not um, the biggest game in the world it's literally no. just i've repeated songs and stuff like that to try and yeah. get and also you unlock characters if you get above three stars uh yes but also you can repeat songs and get more than three stars to unlock that's right yeah characters as well um so i kind of was just unlocking characters for a bit um but yeah i I really like it i definitely do recommend it to people it's it's a fun rhythm game but maybe don't uh don't just sit and play it all on the runner because you can and also you probably won't be as satisfied with it if you do yeah um Um, i i enjoyed the, the the same that i've had with it but i've not went back to it yeah that's fair i think it probably works better as a pick up and do a dance and then yes, put it down yeah. again that kind of thing like i was playing it on a train and so i was just like well i can sit and play a bit and then you know turn it off for a wee bit uh-huh um but yeah i really like it's if nothing else it's worth buying just for that art style <laughs> and the story which is it has a story <laughs> it's pretty good yeah well i guess story's maybe a bit of a strong word for it yes it yeah, has yeah. a uh, a series of comic panels but at the start of <laughs> every area you go to and each one of them introduces an animal of some kind 
Yes, yeah, so... and it's it's all about channeling your inner animal to this <laughs> style of dance, and yeah, it's quite yeah. bizarre. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> like the description's like it's almost just like hey, because there's like a, usually a bunch of like really kind of silly fake philosophical kind of you know ramblings over these comic panels with you know in relation to music so like i i've got one screenshot of my switch here actually so uh there's this one that says like it's for uh the supermarket level and it's keep your ingredients fresh find the balance then mix it up variety is the spice of life variety is the fuel of funk and there's also just a picture of a pangolin in there. <laughs> so the implication is these little animals are just talking to you about how to dance. It's so good. It's so silly. And the art's so nice. Um, it definitely doesn't take itself super seriously. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's fun. It's, it's that thing. It's not like, it's not going to win awards for being, you know, the best rhythm game of any kind. Uh, we maybe missed it during our graphics category for Game of the Year last year. Or was it in the list? I might have put it in the list and we might have taken it out quickly or something. I, yeah, I think we did have it in yeah. for kind of, you know, one of the best looking games, I think. But man, it does look good. It does, yes. That, like, sketchy, scribbly art style that all, all the animations just flow, like, perfectly into each other is... I was reading, um, like, they have little tips and stuff on their loading screens. And one of them says something like, each character has over, like, 200 transition animations to go between moves. It's like, that's fucking mental. What are you guys doing? <laughs> but, yeah. It's it's really good. Um, it's one of those games that, because it's smaller, like, I want to start doing video stuff on our channel of kind of smaller games that maybe got missed. Kind of like Floor Kids. But... Uh -huh. I don't, I don't know how to do a video of a rhythm game is the thing, because it'd just be me talking over music the whole time, and then it'd be yes. the most irritating thing. <laughs> um, but I might try to figure that out and do something with that, because it looks really nice, and I think more people should know about it. Um, so yeah, if you have a Switch, buy Floor Kids. I think it's on PC? No, it's not, actually. It's only on Switch at the moment. Uh, but they said it's coming to phones, which is strange. We'll see. Um, but speaking of strange things. Yes. You've been playing the latest entry in the Final Fantasy Dissidia series. I have, yeah. So I was quite excited when it got announced and then that excitement sort of fizzled away for one reason or another. I think, don't know, it just did anyway. And I think yeah. it kind of did worldwide as well. What <laughs> even, is... with you, even with you, because when I spoke to you when it was coming out and I said, are you going to pick it up? And you went, no. yeah, I'll pick it up <laughs> when it's on sale. Yeah, so... <laughs> that's basically where I'm at now. It's like, I'll pick up what's on sale because I like the Dissidia games. Yes. But then also, in terms of that kind of brawler, there's been so many since Dissidia. Like Dissidia yes. was like the first of that kind of 3D pl uh, brawler thing that I played. But uh -huh. then every anime game has one now and i've bought multiple of them like i play like the jojo's bizarre adventure one sometimes that's kind of my go-to turn your brain off and punch things game right um and it's it's that thing where decidia is way more in depth than that but i don't mm -hmm. necessarily need that <laughs> you know i don't necessarily need a super in-depth version <laughs> of one of those um, yeah yeah but are you enjoying it so far i i am yes yeah. so it's 
it's a lot bigger because obviously you know when when we played Dissidia and Dissidia was it all one two I forget what the sequel is called but oh God, yeah, basically they were PS- conventions <laughs> PSP games yeah I think yes yeah, yeah they were. They were PlayStation portable games and I don't think there's any so Vita this... ones was there a Vita one I don't think so no I don't think there was no. you could play obviously play them on the yeah, Vita yeah. but yeah but yeah so uh, now it's on you know the PlayStation and it looks absolutely gorgeous as you would expect the it's kind of weird the whole way they've got this one set up so you have a story mode but the story mode is it's kind of following the kind of conventions that uh, the, the Guilty Gear games are doing so you can watch the story without you know, there's no battles and oh, you, you're just getting the story. But the way that it does it is strange. So the story mode is there and you go into it and you can see a cutscene and it's like the opening. Um, and it's from what I can see so far, the story is generic Final Fantasy thing. So it's kind of the same story they used in Dissidia and the same story they used in Theatre Rhythm. You know, there's um to life there's a balance there's a good side and a bad side and yeah. in this particular instance you know good's fighting evil and in the case of theater rhythm you're doing it you know by tapping on a table fucking rhythmically <laughs> or, or in this case you're getting all you know the goodies from a set of final fantasy games against the baddies of said fantasy games um and you're gonna batter the living snot out each other yeah so that that's the first cutscene. Then it goes to the next one, and it goes, this is locked. Okay. Go, okay, fair enough. And what it is, is that you need to earn in-game currency to unlock the cutscenes and find out what the story of the game is. That's weird. Yeah, it, it is. So you do that by fighting in... having matches. So they just uh, didn't put the... They just didn't put the battles into the story mode, basically, but you still have to do battles to progress in the story. Yes. It's yeah, just not need... directly in there to make it, you know, a nice user experience or something. Yes. So you need to un- you need to earn this uh, currency called Memoria, and the Memoria allows you to unlock these, these memories that they're calling them as well. Mm-hmm. And you do that, obviously, through fighting. So there's uh, offline offline mode and online mode online mode obviously does what it says in the tin and the offline mode has um, the gauntlet mode so that's kind of like the main single player part of the game that you you fight and there's a sparring match sparring match is it's basically the same as you know in a fighting game where you can go in and you can have one single match against Mm -hmm the AI and you can pick just a versus uh, mode yeah a versus that's it thank you it's a versus (laughs) mode and And gauntlet's basically just arcade yes Uh, so gauntlet the way that it works is it's six matches Mm -hmm. and you they're graded so you start off with uh, bronze silver and gold is your choice as you pick your difficulty level and let's say you pick bronze uh, you, you get through that match on the next match you can pick bronze and upwards but let's say you go gold 
if you go gold, then you can in the next match if you win, you go gold and upwards again. You can't go back to being to going bronze. So the, you're scaling your difficulty level up, or you can keep it the same. Okay. Um, yeah, which is quite cool. The matches this time from uh, what, what makes this Dissidia different is it's three on three matches. Uh, which I don't think has ever been a case on in the... the Dissidia ones. No. No. It's definitely kind of the common thing in so many of these kind of beat-em-up things. Like, they they kind of got popularised by... Uh, there was, like, a Gundam Wing game that came out. Uh, right. Gundam Wing, I guess, just Gundam. Um, but, it, like, it came out ages ago in arcades in Japan and they, it became super, super popular and everything kind of spun off of that. And the city, even like the first ones, were kind of a spin off of that. And then they started doing these kind of like team battle things. Right. And now everything has them. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's the, you know, this team battle three against three. You pick your main character, then you pick the two support. Or if you're playing multiplayer, you would, you know, either have one, your friend, one or two friends with you. And the AI pick up the slack if you've only got one friend playing with yeah. you. Uh, Gameplay-wise, it's pretty much the same. You're using bravery attacks and then... I forget what they call the other attack. There's the two types. Yeah. Uh, the one where it kind of saps down the energy to a certain point, And then there's the big crushing blows that can in- incapacitate your opponents. So you've got those two types of attacks. There's also special powers. Once your gauges... Uh, get up to a certain level then you can do things like poison or use your character's special abilities that were in the game so if you're using cloud for example you can do the multiple strikes attack Mm -hmm. that you had from the final fantasy 7 that's all very well very cool uh there is these things called cores it's big crystals that show up in the world when you're having a match and the whole thing the whole game is narrated to you by coupos so they kind of right. give you a, a guide what's happening um oh, that think... sounds kind of irritating <laughs> like fucking uh, moogles yeah. moogles doing commentary over your fight yes yeah so you've got the um you know he'll he'll say uh you're taking too much damage Koopo. and yeah it's not too bad but saying that i've only played about two and a half hours yeah probably this time next week if i continue playing i'll be going <laughs> those fucking things um yeah they, they give you kind of visual uh, audio clues to, as to what's happening in the world so these little crystals show up um once you destroy or your team destroys enough uh, crystals you can then do a summon uh the creatures you can summon are your usual beasties from final fantasy that you can summon so there's Bahamut. ifrit and ramu and uh yep Bahamut shiva and, uh, shiva yeah is, is, is shiva uh, a motorbike no she's not on a motorbike this, this time unfortunately not, i mean <laughs> like i didn't like final fantasy 13 very much but turning shiva into a motorbike was a smart idea <laughs> uh yes so that's all still there um the game is still quite difficult i'm finding um i wasn't i think you were the same as me kieran we we really liked the city but we weren't very good at it no definitely. if we were brutally honest no 
I'm not very good at um, many fighting games, to be fair, but so, especially not that one. Yeah, I'm still enjoying it. There's a whole load of stuff. There's the usual things to collect and buy. Uh, you know, so you can buy uh, costumes, various costumes. You can buy all the music, which is always one of the things that I like doing. All the different battle musics and things that you can buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to the music as well, it's quite a good mix. There's some. Uh, so let's say uh, Final Fantasy VII, for example. Some of them is the old... It wasn't the 8-bit stuff on Final Fantasy VII, but it was still... No, PlayStation 1. Some, yeah, some of the PlayStation 1 uh, music. It wasn't all or- orchestral. Some no, of it was, mostly like MIDI stuff. Of... Yes, yeah. Um, so they've got some of the original MIDI mixes in there, and then they have, they've redone certain themes and certain thong- songs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you'll play, and it'll be battle music original from Final Fantasy V, and then they've got the Final Fantasy V battle music uh, new arrangement, they'll call it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so they've put a lot of work into the music, very cool. Uh, some of it's new mixes that I haven't heard before. Um, so I think the music, you know, where they've done the, the new arrangements, it's been recorded especially for the game. Yeah. Or for Final Fantasy Seven stuff, it might also just be stuff they've done for the remake. Yes, yeah. So yeah, pretty cool, very good. Um, What else can I tell you? Uh, Rosters, uh, when you buy the game without buying any uh, season passes or things, you're getting thirty-two characters. All right, let me let me let me name some of my favorites. Tell me if they're in there. Uh, Kefka. Yes. Uh, Terra. Yes, that's uh, it. You... Uh, that's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Final Fantasy VI, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Um, so you've got characters all the way up to Final Fantasy fifteen. Is there anyone for Final Fantasy See? Type Zero? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, somebody oh, called Ace. Oh, okay. That's like the main character from it. That makes sense. Yeah. And then the there's, character, anyway. there's one from... It's Final Fantasy and you know how they've got the the Roman numerals is one with uh-huh. a T and I'm not too sure who that is. It's Ramza. Yeah. Ramza from, I don't know which game it is. Oh, I'm going to Google that. So you can Google that, but most of them, there are two characters from all the games, except mm. when it comes to oh, fight- Final Fantasy tactics, tactics. That there we sense. go. Uh, yeah, so you've got Ramza from Final Fantasy Tactics, you've got Ace from Final Fantasy Zero, Noctis from Fifteen, uh, from you've even got uh, Ishtola from Fourteen. Nice, that's actually yeah. yeah. Didn't really expect anyone from Fourteen to be in there. Yeah, so just a, a good mix of characters that you can have, um, and they all, most of them look good. Squall looks okay a cloud and uh oh the dude from 10 titus look a bit weird they look a little <laughs> um their faces they've kind of um made them a bit more feminine and it's a bit strange that's weird you know yeah they, they went to you know somebody's obviously got the the romantic ideal of those two you know because they are <laughs> iconic characters and I think they've just made them a bit too pretty. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, they look a bit strange. Um, I wonder if it's but... like a case of um, 
some of those other characters looked very feminine and so to put them in the game together they had to like that is feminize yes. some of the the other characters and then yep. like defeminize some of those ones because like ramza from five Eyes tactics is very feminine because he was meant to be yeah. very androgynous yeah um yep that would make sense uh yeah because you look at the the kind of redesigns on cloud and even squall to a certain bit and they look a bit strange but then when you're uh, so I've got a team at the moment which uh, includes those two but also Lightning and mm-hmm. when Lightning is standing with the three of them they look all, you know they look okay so yeah what you're saying makes perfect sense yeah. you know they've they've had to modify some of the other char- the older characters to meet the style of the newer ones uh, but yeah I'm I am enjoying it uh, again when it comes to recommending it, I think if you're hardcore, yes, go ahead, pick it up right now. But yeah, you've you you had the right idea. I think you know, waiting, giving it time um, for the the kind of the sales to kick in and for the game to get a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not I'm not going to buy the season pass. Uh, season pass is twenty five quid, and you get six new characters. That's it. Oh, there's there's a couple of costumes and things flung in, but six characters that's your whack. That's not that much for that price. I mean, it's not that far off from what other fighting games do. <laughs> yeah. But, but still. Yeah, I I'm thinking it's yeah, it's not worth that money. Um, well, if the season pass comes down in price, then I will pick it up, but I won't be paying full price for it. Yeah, that's right. Um. Yeah, if you're uh, hardcore into either Final Fantasy or the Dissidia fighting games, uh, then yeah, by all means, pick it up. You will enjoy it, but otherwise, yeah, maybe wait a bit. Yeah, uh, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait. Cool. Excellent. Yeah, it was either that. uh, The reason I bought this was I was torn between this and Monster Hunter and and Monster Hunter I thought well everyone else that I normally play those type of games with has already got the game and by the time I buy it they're, they're just going to fall off it uh, well, um, yeah to be fair I've not played it in like a week exactly yes I'm gonna <laughs> I just haven't been playing a lot recently cool um, so but talking about things you have played uh, you finished Yakuza Kiwami did you not? I did, so I've been working through that one for a wee bit now because it came out at the end of last year. Um, and uh, that was one of the ones where I fell off it for a while. Partly, like, I've been picking at it here and there, but you know, didn't just sit and power through all of it, mainly because I had played Yakuza 0 last year as well, and you know, there's a lot of Yakuza. <laughs> and yes. They're, and they're like fundamentally the same game because... Yakuza Kiwami is just a remake of the first game using all of Yakuza Zero's stuff. Uh huh. So, like, the combat's all the same. Um, a lot of the environments are all the same, just kind of made to be in a slightly different time period. Uh, and it's really good. Uh, the story is really good. Uh, they did a good job. Uh, from what I understand, like, it is basically the exact same story as in the original game. Like, they didn't change anything. Um, so it's kind of impressive how well that story has aged. It's still bizarre, 
in a lot of ways. They did a lot of weird things. Uh, and it's also kind of weird, like, Giving Zero was, like, my first entry into this series. Seeing, um, like, Zero introduces a bunch of characters that you kind of meet and you go, all right, so this guy's going to be important in the series because they put a, bit, a bunch of effort into him and this is, like, fan service for people that have played all the other ones. You can tell because this guy's getting bigged up and he's getting made to look really cool and he hasn't died at the end so he's probably going to be in the next games and then like all those characters die like right at the start of one so <laughs> so it's like this thing where in the first yakuza game they had these characters that were introduced then died pretty much right away and didn't really get kind of fleshed out much and then they made zero years later right and fleshed out those characters and it's just such a weird thing um but yeah i'm i really enjoyed it i do recommend that one if you could only if you only you know feel like that you have enough space to get one yakuza game then zero is probably the one to go for though right Uh, i think the story's a lot better and the you know there's two characters play as and just way more stuff to do in it uh Mm -hmm. feels a bit more stripped down because i mean it was technically the first game in the series so you know it didn't have as much stuff well, you can't even play Outrun in that game. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but yeah, I was mainly... I, I kind of decided I should just sit and power through it because uh, Yaxa 6 comes out in April. Yes. Uh, it was originally meant to be next month, but it got delayed. So I was like, I should probably finish Kiwami before I buy another Yakuza game. <laughs> so I was like right at the end anyway. Um so I just sat and powered through the last couple of missions and was like, okay, I know, I know all this story now. It's nonsense, sure. but it's really good. Um, characters with amnesia, characters that you thought were dead coming back. All this like fucking soap opera nonsense that's really good. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, it's one of those things where you, what, you play that game and you realise how far they've come since that, though. Because even though right. the story's still really good, and you know, because it's made in the new engine it plays really well um the story in zero is so much better like they learned so many lessons over the course of the like six other yakuza games they've made between these (laughs) um because there's just stuff fundamental things like the villain in that game is not really revealed until like the end right like he's not someone that gets built up and that you you know have to defeat it's just a guy who gets introduced at the end it's like by the way this is the bad guy and it's like wait what <laughs> then someone will give a bunch of exposition and be like oh well you know this guy you know did this thing and he had some corrupt money and you blah 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 blah, blah. and it's like great well why didn't you tell me about this at the start of the game <laughs> like why is this new information to me whereas like yakuza zero the villains in that game are really good because you encounter them multiple times throughout that whole story like they are obstacles that come back over and over and are getting built up to be these big insurmountable things because they keep coming back um so yeah like they've learned how to do that kind of stuff over the years um but yeah i i enjoyed it quite a lot it's i hope they like they've already announced that they're doing a remake of two Right. Uh, and yeah, because it's 6's engine, so not even Zero's engine, because 6 is the first, like, actual PS4 game. Uh, right, okay. Because Zero was originally a PS3 game. 
Ah, right. Okay, um, so it should look a lot better then. Yeah, so this is the first time that they are like redoing the whole engine and stuff like that for next generation. And they've shown a bunch of stuff. So there's loads of things like um, Enyaxa 6, uh, fights. So in the current Enyaxa, like Zero and Kuami and stuff like that, uh, fights, when they start, they kind of treat them like random encounters in like a RPG. So there's people out in the world, there's like gangsters out in the street and stuff like that that will chase you. And if they catch you, you'll get put into a fight. Which is usually right. the same or at least a similar area, but they kind of block it off with crowds of people, so you're stuck in a little arena. Right. And then they'll spawn in like some objects to fight with, so you can hit them with bikes and bins and stuff like that, because that's kind of part of the fun of the Yaxa games. Um, uh-huh. But from the looks of it, Yaxa 6 doesn't do any of that. It's just, if you encounter a fight in the street, you fight them. And if you want to run away from it, you just run away from it, because you're just in a, kind of more of a seamless open world. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff like that and it does just look insanely pretty so it's nice to see that so they're doing a remake of 2 in that engine and I kind of hope going forward they kind of just keep doing that Like they, if they keep doing I mean we maybe don't need 2 Yakuza games a year <laughs> maybe that might be a lot of Yakuza that might be no, too no. much Yakuza because those games are fucking long um, and <laughs> jam packed with so much goddamn stuff to do but if they keep doing remakes of stuff, then I will actually get to sit and play through all the series without having to go back to... Like, right now, I could go back and play 3, but 3... You know, there's been so many games since 3, and they've changed so much of the combat and improved, you know, pretty much everything across the board since then. So, it'd probably be quite hard to go back and play 3 at this point. Maybe not as much as 1 and 2, because they were PS2 games, but... If they keep uh-huh. doing remakes of all these, then I could see myself playing through the entirety of the Yakuza series. Should be good. Cool. Yeah. Um, but that's all we've got for video games. It is, yes. Yeah. We haven't played a whole um, lot. No, no. I, we did buy a lot, though. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I bought a Crypt of the Necrodancer. Uh, I was going to buy it on Switch because it's just been released there. But then on PSN, it was going for four quid in the sale. I think it still is. Hmm. Um, I'm not too sure if it is is in America, but here in Europe and the UK, you can pick it up for four pound. The game is fantastic. Yeah, I played through the tutorial. I really liked it. I've not played through any more. Uh, Some I, of the best music in the game. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, really cool. And I have also purchased Bayonetta 2. Um, and I haven't, I've not even started even the mm. cutscenes on that yet. Yeah. And is that with download code for the first one as well? It is, yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah. what, I was, what I was thinking is I, because I never ever finished the, uh, the first one. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd maybe try and go back and play through that one as well. Yeah. Um, I, this is also my second attempt at it as well because I believe, believe it or not, I do own the special uh, Bayonetta 1 and 2 edition <laughs> collector's case thing. Oh, Wii U. The ca- yeah, on the Wii U, yes. Uh, I didn't know you owned that. <laughs> That's I, great. Yeah, I, when I bought... Uh, when I bought my Wii U, because if you remember, I got my Wii U before you. Yeah. Um, and one of the first things that I... So I bought quite a few games, but the game that had just been released 
was Bayonetta 2. So I got it with my console. Yeah, it it sounds like um like Digital Foundry uh, have done the usual thing they do where they tear down you know the graphics and the frame rate and stuff like that and compare them. Um, they've done that for the Switch versions of Bayonetta two and Bayonetta one, and it yeah. seems like that is kind of the place to play them. Um, so yeah, like the frame rate's apparently way better. Uh, the graphics are pretty much identical. Yes. Um. Yeah, they seem more impressed with the portable mode than the docked mode. It seems like the docked mode is kind of just like it's only running at seven twenty p. Right. Uh, but you know, other than that, but it doesn't look any worse than the previous versions because the previous version look ran at seven twenty p as well. So yeah, it's just that thing where it's like, eh, the Switch could probably have done more, but the portable mode seven twenty p is the screen resolution, so it looks nice. Yeah. Apparently. Um. Good. Yeah, I'm gonna pick those up next month when the the gold coin stuff kicks in for yes e-shop. <laughs> when i can yeah. get my was it i think i've got like 12 quid of coins in there yes i get my 12 quid <laughs> off bayonetta too uh i will probably cool. do that excellent um we have got some board games to speak about though we do yeah so we had a a board game day with a Kieran, myself, and friend of the show who was on last week's episode, um, Nathan. Yep. And we played some games. So, do you want to talk us through one of the games that we played? Sure. Will we go in order of what we played? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so, we played Fugitive first. Yes. Because we were waiting on Nathan. So, we had time to play Fugitive, which is a nice little two player game. We actually played it twice. Um, so, Fugitive is. We've talked about it a little bit before because I, I got it from Kickstarter a while ago. Yeah. It's a, a nice, simple little kind of maths game. <laughs> I think is the easiest way to describe it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It's So you've... um, It's it, it's kind of asymmetric as well. Yeah, it's definitely asymmetric. Really. Both players are definitely doing different things. So um, the way it works is... Uh, one player is the fugitive and one player is the, the marshal who is chasing after the fugitive. And it's it's basically like catch me if you can the the uh, card game. Yes. Uh the mar uh, the fugitive starts with card zero played and starts yep. with a hand of cards, which is card one, card two, card three, and card forty two. Yeah. And they can only move to or they can only play a card basically to move to a slot that is within three of the previous number played. So it starts at zero, so you can play one, two, or three. Yeah. And then once one, two, or three is played, you can you know play if it, you played two, you can play you know three, four, five. And you play these face down, so you're the only one that knows where you've been and where you're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing that the fugitive can do is they can play additional cards with that card. And those count as sprints. So they have like uh, little footprints in the top corner. Uh, I think all of them are either one or two. I don't yep. think there's anything higher than that. But that means you can add an additional one or an additional two onto the distance that you move. But it also means you're burning those cards so you can't use them again. Yeah. And that seems like really beneficial early on where you're like, oh, I can just keep sprinting and make loads of distance and it's like oh I don't know you won't be able to find me because I'm moving all this distance but then you run out of cards so <laughs> it doesn't work out well uh, meanwhile every turn 
the fugitive takes to placing a card and moving the marshal is also drawing cards from like the same deck as the fugitive yeah so reducing the places they can move to and has a nice little whiteboard and whiteboard marker that they can kind of check off which cards they've drawn and which ones they know for sure the fugitive is not at so they are slowly kind of narrowing down what the cards are that have been played that are face down and every turn they get to guess they can either guess one or guess multiple of numbers and they don't necessarily have to guess which position they're in they just have to say you know you've been at two and if they have been at two they have to flip over two but if they're really confident which i never was but mike was multiple times and got them right (laughs) every time they can guess multiple of them and if they guess all of if they guess all of them right then they all get flipped over if they guess any of them wrong then none of them get flipped over even if one or two of them was right yeah uh so that kind of risk reward thing of you're pretty confident that they've been at you know four nine and then 21 somehow skipping entire 10 things <laughs> uh then you can say that and i'll be and if it's right then they'll flip them all over and it could end the game you could win the game that way yeah and i think it's one of those things where when you sit and like read the rules or you know go through the first couple of rounds i feel like as the fugitive you instantly start to think now this is gonna be really easy for me because i can play sprint cards and then you know i've played three sprint cards with this one so he doesn't know that i'm going from three to six anymore he knows that i'm going from three to ten like the, it, it yes. makes it such a higher possibility of where you are but then after a couple more turns you realize that those cards are flipping over. Like the future, uh, the marshal is figuring out where you've been, regardless of like what you've done to try and <laughs> you know confuse them. They'll be like, "Well, I drew these cards. I know for a fact you're not at ten or nine or eight or seven. So you're definitely six. Yes. It's like, and as they narrow it down, they slowly figure out where you are and where you aren't. Uh, and also when they flip over a card, it flips over all the sprint cards. So if you used, you know, four and six as sprint cards, then the marshal marshal knows you have not been at four and six and the way the marshal wins is by uncovering everywhere you have been not just where you are but also where you have been in the past um and the way the fugitive wins is by making it to 42 yes and i really like it it's such a simple little game um that was the first time you've played it mike what did you think it was yeah i I really liked it. So the first time we played it, I, I was the fugitive. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I I played as the fugitive, and uh, I fell into the trap that you were saying. You know about um, right. I'll I'll you, I'll play this high card, and any numbers below it, I'll just burn them. Yeah. And so sometimes I was moving, and I was moving from number nine to number ten. But I would throw three cards down, thinking, "Ah, I'm clever because I'm, I'm <laughs> fooling you." But what you forget is that you know Kieran sat there and he's he's drawing cards as well and he's filling in that information, mm-hmm. and it, it becomes pretty obvious to see that the gaps that he's drawing, you know, the cards that he's drawing, and you can see you know the previous number that I was at, and it just starts to make make sense for him but you don't see that and i started running out of cards i got to a certain (laughs) point where i got stuck so 
and we weren't too sure of the rules at that point, so we thought the game was over, and then Kieran read the rules, and it was no... The game continues because the, the fugitive can pass to gain more cards. So I was doing that. And then we messed it up as well because what uh, we didn't read one of the rules properly, and Kieran guessed the, the last position. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the weird thing about the game, though. I would think that if you ever guess the last position where the f- is then you've caught him it's finished but the yeah. rules of the game say no you have to you have to unveil all everywhere. the cards previous to that everywhere yeah um so we'd done that and i said oh you've caught me and we stopped the game and then we figured out no we hadn't so we should have played we should have continued playing but that was fine that was yeah. cool but to be fair like the thing we realized right afterwards was the one card we hadn't flipped over the one card i hadn't actually guessed yet was also like the only one in that area I hadn't I, checked off, so it would have been my next yes. guess anyway. So, but if you had had yes, an our turn, yeah. you might have been able to run further, and you know, we wouldn't run. Yeah, was, yeah. we fucked up. Um, the second game but, we played properly. Yes, the second game we played that was a good game. That I really enjoyed. That that was good. Yeah. So we got. Um, it's strange how the the cards come out because you shuffle. You've got three different draw piles, mm-hmm. and they're you know it's kind of like the three different steps and so you're all drawing from the same the first draw pile at the beginning and Kieran was drawn from those piles and he's moving along and I just managed to the way we'd shuffled the cards and we did give them a good shuffle they were, mm-hmm. they were well shuffled but I was just drawing the right cards and I was able to make multiple guesses so Kieran had you know, he'd made three jumps that I hadn't figured out, and then I draw one card, and I went, I was able to go right. Yeah. That, uh, you know, these three cards are numbers two, six, and seven, mm-hmm. and he's just going fuck, fuck, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> and it, it was good. It was pretty close, and it came down it, to the bar. Um, it did. Yeah, it got all the way down. Um, to Kieran gets to number forty-two, so he gets he gets away. And it, uh, it's basically the, the Hail Mary. There's two numbers left that I had to guess. I knew what one of them was. Mm-hmm. That was fine. And it was one more that I had to figure out. And I think I guessed... You I, had, I guessed you had wrong, two but... choices. You had, you'd had narrowed it down to it was one of yes. these two numbers. The other one was definitely this one number. Yeah. So you had a 50-50 chance and it came down to basically a coin flip. <laughs> yeah, and Which, I picked the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really good. But yeah, it was. It, it you didn't, you know, it was, you know, you guess what? You picked the wrong number, and I've got away. And you, you know, some games where that happens, you get a little bit frustrated. And it, it wasn't that at all. It was like shit. That was a good game. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely recommend it. I would. I'm considering picking it, picking it up, um, but I have a lot of two-player games already. <laughs> that's fair. You know, that's the only problem with uh, two-player board games that you normally are only—they're only really ever going to get played in the house. Yeah. And the problem for me with it is uh, my girlfriend's a lot better at maths than me, so every time I play with my girlfriend, she's just like, "Ah, you're there," and it's like, "No, what?" <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Normally, those type of games and the the hidden role, I find that playing with her is is a nightmare because she's that good <laughs> at them. <laughs> Definitely. 
but yeah no that was really good really enjoyed that and then we played uh one we've been waiting to play for a little while uh which was rising sun yes so rising sun kieran and myself both back this uh this is the latest mini heavy extravaganza from cool mini or not it's uh the spiritual sequel to blood rage yeah yeah by yeah it's uh eric lang and adrian smith Mm -hmm. uh, the artist and this is set in feudal japan it's an area control game so it's a, a war game yeah well yeah um but it does a couple of cool things it doesn't actually have war so uh the game is also uh, i've seen a lot of people describe it and they've compared it to a game called democracy which is a game i haven't played yeah me neither um but yeah it's so if anyone's listening to this and they know what democracy is i believe rising sun is quite close to it hmm. but the way that it works is everyone has a clan and uh, you can play up to five players or if you have any of the expansions you can play up to six players and there are eight regions on the map everyone starts off in a home region and the idea is to expand um and what you're you're trying to do is you're playing for victory points uh you get victory points in various ways and one of the ways is to win wars in various regions and there are three seasons so the game takes place through um during the course of a year and there are three seasons there's a summer autumn summer autumn and spring i think it is uh, yes. Yeah, summer and spring because winter is the the, the scoring phase. Yeah, and during each season, uh, what happens is you start off and you've got all your men on the board. Um, the the in the first season you will only have one region, and you then there's a choice of five things that you can do, and uh, they call these political mandates. And it, basically, what you can do is you've got a choice of buying upgrade cards now upgrade cards may give you special abilities there may be special warriors in this game called monsters that you can bring onto the field uh you can move your your characters about you can bring new uh new forces into mm-hmm. your bases um so you can summon new warriors uh summon you can train you can buy new uh you can there's one other thing marshal move no yeah. we've done that Yes, Marshall, you can do. Recruit. Uh... Oh God, harvest. Oh, harvest. Yes, so harvest was the one. Each uh, each set, uh, part of the board um, has resources that the that region would produce, and if you choose the harvest option, you can take advantage. You can uh, reap these rewards, um, and then the final one is you can betray. So. Why can you betray? Why would you want to? What does it do? So the, at the beginning of the game, you are you have what they call the tea ceremony. So you discuss with all the players and you create alliances. So the benefits of having alliances are that if you are in have an alliance with somebody and you happen to be in the, a colony where war breaks out, then 
you don't actually fight each other and it doesn't cost you resources. The the person that has the most control in that area then gains, uh, it's like they've won the war. It's come to a peaceful resolution, but they have the spoils of the war. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Um, but uh, if you don't have an alliance, then, you know, when it comes to war, you have to wage war and things like that. So, but sometimes it's beneficial for you to betray and break that that pact that you have with people. Yeah. So you can I do that. I don't know when. Yes. Yeah. We'll, Never. We'll come to that. We'll come to that. <laughs> Who would do so, such a thing? Who wants so you, dishonorable human? <laughs> exactly. So you've got these five choices that can happen, and um, there are two of each choice. So there's ten tiles, and what happens is it goes around the table in a specific order where uh, somebody will pick four tiles and they will choose one of the actions that they want to use so then they place that action on the table and everyone gets that action except if it's the betray action because only the person doing the betraying can break their peace treaties and stuff like that so this this happens um, you know you pick it pick the one you want everyone does it then somebody else gets to pick what the next thing is going to be um i'm simplifying the game quite a bit but yeah there's uh, a lot of little cool things in that that i think you know get skimmed over like uh, nice little rule things like when you choose a mandate you don't do it first except for one of them and betray i guess except for two of them like everyone else does it first and then it comes to you and it's like well you wanted the harvest we'll get to you yes yeah um, and also the cool thing is that uh, when you pick one of these mandates or when you do one of the mandates, if you are the person that picked that mandate, you get an extra benefit from it. So, yeah. for example, the the recruiting mandate where it means everyone can summon one character for every base or stronghold that they have on the map. Um, except for the person who picked the mandate, they can they can do the action twice, so they can summon one extra person. Yeah. Um, also, if they are if <clears throat> if they have a treaty with somebody, that person can do the same as well. Mm-hmm. So you know it builds this, this thing into the game of why you'd want to you know have peace with somebody and have a have a pact, and that's quite cool. Yeah. Uh, there's there's other little things that you can do. There's um, the the gods where so when you summon somebody onto the map, you can instead of putting them into a territory to gain uh, an advantage, an immediate advantage on the map, you can uh, send them to the Japanese shrines to go and pray to a god. And if you do that, uh, th- there's certain points in the game where it says right, okay, who is worshiping these gods and the person that is worshiping the um the god the most gets an extra benefit and it's a benefit that sometimes has an immediate you know immediate payoff or sometimes it's uh later on in the game when it comes to the war phase mm-hmm. which is quite cool um yeah so you play these war these mandates and basically what you're doing is you're building the map you're moving your guys around the map you're spreading out everywhere you're creating alliances you're creating deals one of the things that you can do in the game is you can negotiate. So I can say to Kieran, Kieran, I fancy just 
you know, spreading my guys out in this area here. Um, why don't you come in? We'll create an alliance. I won't attack you. You won't attack me. And, you know, take it from there. Mm -hmm. And Kieran said, well, what will you give me for that? I was, well, I'll give you three coins. And Kieran says, yeah, that sounds like a good mm -hmm. deal. That's fine. Or what happened more more often with us, well, not often, but happened a couple of times was, it'd be more of, I tell you what, I'll go into this area and I'll I'll take it next turn. And you don't, don't come in and take it. But yes. you can have the one next door. You can have that one. I don't need that yeah. one. You have that. <laughs> yes, yeah. So you can create these these deals. And if some somebody can pay coins, you're allowed to bribe people with coins mm -hmm. to do it, like a lot of games do. And like a lot of games as well, these deals are not enforceable. Yeah. So if you choose that, okay, I've got your money, you, you sap, that's it, you're done. <laughs> and you don't have to honor any agreements, which yeah. is quite cool as well. Um, yeah, so it's got all these, you know, you're spreading all the way around the map and you've got everything. And then after a certain time when the map is very busy, everyone's got these uh, one-shot powers that they can play. They've got um, powerful monsters that they've summoned that are much stronger than any other of the characters on the board and everything's ready to go then it comes to the war phase and kieran i think the war phase was your your favorite part of the game yeah i really like the war phase um so like the way the war phase works is when two or more people are have uh, different units on an area uh and it's been designated as a war zone <laughs> i think that's one of the weirdest parts of it but you know it needs to happen for a gameplay mechanic kind of thing um there's like was it uh one was it this i can't remember there's oh, yeah. it's like one so, per one per player yeah, so plus the, uh, two at the, at the beginning of the game there is two um i think it's one one area oh, yeah. per player plus two that's um, right yes yeah so there's basically for us there was five areas that we could fight in each season uh, yeah and so when it gets to the war phase if you go through those one by one and if anyone has troops in there you resolve it so either if there's, they don't have any competition they take it or you have the war and the war is handled through secret bidding which i thought was a really smart way of doing it uh -huh. so rather than like rolling dice or whatever else to deal with you know combat the way combat works is a very simple who has the strongest force so each of your units is worth one force. Uh, you can summon giant <coughs> monsters that are worth more force. And some special abilities give other things force. Like I was playing as the Turtle Clan and their ability was that their strongholds count as one force because they're on the backs of giant turtles, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so you count the forces and you'd be like, oh, well, Mike has six force here and I've only got four force. So he's going to win. And so you have three actions that happen before you resolve based on that force and what who gets to take those actions is decided based on who bids more on those actions or they don't happen at all if no one bids on them so either you can commit seppuku and that just means all of your units kill themselves and you get honor for it and i believe also victory points yes but you're not going to win the battle because all your guys are dead <laughs> uh, and they're dead so they're off the board so that means you've also lost a bunch of guys or maybe just one guy depending on what you're doing yep um 
There's oh, I forget what the second one is. The third one is Razor Ronan. Um, yeah, well, you could take a hostage. Is what the second one is. Yes. So if you take a hostage, you take one of the opponent's pieces off the board, basically, and they'll get it back next season rather than being dead. Uh, but then the third one is you can raise Ronan. So Ronan, you get Ronan tokens throughout the uh, the mandates phase, uh, depending on what you've been doing, and then you can add those basically to increase your force. So if you have four Ronan tokens, that just counts as four force. Uh, unless you're playing the clan Nathan was playing as, which converts all of your Ronin tokens into money, <laughs> and then you can play money as though it's Ronin tokens. So he, if he went on that one and had 20 coins, he had up to 20 force he could add at any given time, <laughs> and it was kind of messed up. Um, especially because he but, did... Yeah, yeah the, the cool thing about that, though, was that, yeah, he had 20 coins, he had the ability of placing 20 force in the region and basically then making sure he'd won but he also had to bid to win the right yeah for that first. so that would use a bunch of money as well uh, yeah yeah and when he went up against people like we would you know try to go for that one because we knew that's the one he'd won <laughs> yes so we'd outbid him and you can't tell what other people are bidding on until they've revealed what it is yes. you know, maybe they'll they'll talk about it a bit uh and you're allowed to lie during it because that's part yes. of it and yep. no one would ever do that because it'd be dishonorable and who would lie exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah when we were so, do you want to just tell the the tale of my yes yeah my so um, <laughs> so we, we got towards the end of the game and um, one of the things that you do is you get um, bonus victory points at the end of the game for um, having the most number of um, unique tiles. So, like we said, there's eight there's eight regions throughout the game, and in each of the three seasons, five of them were going to be at war. Mm -hmm. So, what you wanted to try and do was get eight unique tiles. If you did that, you got forty odd points. Yeah, and that which would, I really it, like that as a mechanic as well because that kind of forces yeah. or encourages people not to just camp in the same area the whole time and yes. be like well i'm going to win this every turn because i've got you know a hundred soldiers here yes it's like you have to move around because capturing the same place for three seasons does nothing for you yes so i'd i'd got to the point where i'd had three um three sections and they were pretty locked up they were mine but i needed to expand so i did that i started expanding and that was quite cool and i had two re two regions and if I had these, I would have had five uh, five unique regions, and I was going to get I think thirty or forty bonus points. It was going to be a lot. It was going to be quite good. Um, but I most of my eggs were in this basket, so I'd had a few bonus points from other a uh, few victory points from other things. But this is where I was going to get the majority of my stuff. So it came to the end of the game, and the final war. And Kieran and myself have an alliance, and Kieran breaks it. <laughs> um, but he breaks it for you know all the right reasons to to do something else, um, and it's it was kind of it was beneficial for him to break it because it meant we could have a war and we could kind of gang up on Nathan as well and kind of mm -hmm. shut him down and then sort sort everything out between ourselves. So that was fine, and so we had to have a war in these two regions. 
And I said to Kieran, right, I'll take the, the one region and you take the other one. And without looking on the board, I'd agreed that I would take the one region um, that I was going to give Kieran the first region. Mm-hmm. And I would take the second region, but I didn't I didn't clock that. So Kieran's like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. That's no problem at all. So we, we get to doing it, and he's like, are you going to do it? Are you going to betray me? No, no, that's straight up, and we do the secret bidding, and I tell him exactly what I'm bidding on, and uh, I did something so that I could, I think, give him extra coins or something. And so no, I did I, that. I, what was I? Oh, yeah, you did. You put a bunch of coins on one of them because the loser of a war has to split his coins that he spent evenly amongst the... Sorry, the winner of the war has to yeah. split it evenly amongst the people that lost. Oh, no, so no, yes. Yeah, it wasn't your points. No, what did I do? I did something. I Oh, I think I took I took a hostage. I, I did something. You did something. But, but I told you what I was doing, and yeah. that was exactly what I did. You could see what I did, and I told him how many coins. And that's fine, and Kieran wins the region. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And without thinking, it moves on to the next bit. And... Uh, Kieran says, right, so what are you going to put your coins on? And I said, no, I'm not going to put... I didn't think I was going to put my coins on anything. Yeah, because you already said, no, had no. the stronger force. Yes, I had the stronger force, so I don't need to do anything. Um, so that's fine. And, and Kieran's like, okay, right, okay, let's do it. And we the thing. And he decided to betray me completely. <laughs> and he t- <laughs> So he took my guy hostage. He basically takes my forces off the map. And he takes that... He took both regions... And I was completely and utterly screwed over and ended up coming in dead last. <laughs> and that won me the game. I would have lost otherwise. I needed all those points. But yeah, it was it was very good. Yeah. Um, in terms of... We did enjoy the game. In terms of strategy, I think there was so much more that we could do that we, yeah, that we could play. Um, the, one of the things so we've Kieran's kind of touched on the the five different clans that you can play as they all have various uh, things that they can do that break the rules of the game somewhat so um, Kieran's clan has their strongholds on the backs of turtles and they can move around and they also count as force so they count towards his armed forces uh, the Koi clan which Nathan was using uses you know a the military might as industrial might and vice versa. So money is rolling and rolling in his money. Uh, I was using the dragonfly clan and these guys are really cool because I could summon guys on the map wherever the hell I wanted. Mm-hmm. I could just, so most people, when they play the game, you have to put the guys on the map according to wherever their strongholds, their bases are. Yeah. And I could just it, yeah, indiscriminately anyway. put them wherever I wanted. I didn't have to worry about shipping routes. So there's, um, the the map of the the world is like any other one you know there's some uh, countries that are landlocked and you can move in the borders and that's fine and then there's some that are separated by seas and you need you need to use specific shipping routes so you yeah. can only connect you know with certain areas yeah. and there's I also shipping have... routes to basically make it faster to get to other parts of the map from yes. the other yeah. sides of it even if it's yeah. on the same landmass yeah so I didn't have to worry about that that was the 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 rule breaking thing that i had i could just put my guys wherever they wanted wherever i wanted Mm -hmm. and that was cool and but what i should have been doing 
is I should have been negotiating on top of that as well. So I should have been saying, um, you know, negotiating with people, look, I will move out of here and you move in here and let's do it at the same time. And, you know, using the martial mandate and, uh, and, and, and negotiating that and the same breath uh kieran you discovered that you guys should have been uh building more strongholds yeah because it definitely ended up we all started we all picked clans that started kind of up to the the north of the map basically uh, yeah or the left of the map wherever um really close to each other basically and it meant that the other half of the map was basically uncontested for mike to take over because he could go there at any point but we couldn't summon any new soldiers there. So we kind of had to, you know, slowly, eventually start moving stuff over there. But really, we should have been building strongholds because we realized a couple of seasons in, you don't have to have units in an area to build a stronghold. You can just build a stronghold. Yes. So we could have just built strongholds on the other side of the map and started spawning dudes in there. There's nothing to stop us doing that. Yeah. Just didn't. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, there, it, it, there's so much in that game that i liked i like the season card so uh what the season cards do is when you buy them they get like i said they give you monsters but they also give you certain uh buffs to uh units that you have and then there's some things that just fuck with people and kieran you had one of them which was amazing um and it basically makes the person that holds this card they are the master of all trade routes (laughs) So anytime somebody wants to move, uh, you know, using the the shipping lanes, um, so they want to go from an island to the mainland, the mainland to the island, they had to speak to this person, and this person could decide how much to charge them, and he can charge them whatever he wants. Yeah, it's completely <laughs> arbitrary. It just says you get to charge people. It's like, yeah. all right, cool. <laughs> so there was there was one point where. Um, Nathan was going to, he was moving guys along the shipping route to get to um, my starting area, which was a little island. And Hokkaido. so he's, yes, so he's moving all his guys to Hokkaido. And Kieran, I'd said to, to Kieran, Kieran, he's, he's doing that. You can use your power. And Kieran, Kieran took great pleasure in telling him <laughs> that if he wanted to move, it was going to cost him every single coin that he had. And much to both our horror, he goes, okay, fine, and just hands over all his, <laughs> hands, hands over all his money. Um, and it was, it was excellent. It was just a hell of a lot of fun. We did enjoy it. Um, then there's the minis. Oh, the, the quality of this game. What do you think? Oh, it's beautiful. Like, they, they overproduce so much of the stuff. Like, you could play this game with tiles and it'd be the exact same game and it'd still be great. But yes. Man, having these giant miniatures for all the soldiers, they all look unique. Yep. And I guess one of the things, it's not like, you know, Inish has, what, four clans, five clans? Yes. And they all have their own minis, but they, they're all the same, just different colours. Um, yeah. This one, like, every army is unique. Uh, they all yes. have two different types of soldier. They don't make a difference, but they, they're different. And then also their... Uh, Oh, the, Shintos. the Shintos and the Daimyos uh, so basically they have four different units uh, excluding the Turtle Clan which then has additional units because all of their strongholds are unique and they're giant turtles <laughs> um, and then 
we both got the Daimyo box because we backed this on Kickstarter, which I assume that means they're doing a retail version as well. Yes, the the retail version is just the the big just the regular box one, on its yeah. own, yeah. Because not all of Cool Mini's Kickstarter stuff seems to necessarily get mass produced eventually. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, so Daimyo box is basically uh, overproduced versions of all the cardboard that's in the regular box. Yeah. So the regular box uh, to create alliances and kind of show who's in alliance with each other, everyone has a half of like a yin yang symbol. Uh, so everyone has one of those and they're made out of cardboard but then Daimyo Box has these big chunky plastic ones that are way better and then you put them together to be like oh it's like a yin and yang thing <laughs> we're, we're not like... um, and like all the mandate things are replaced they're just little bits of cardboard in the regular one and then they're big mahjong tiles like thick yes. bits of plastic um, the, it adds even more monsters <laughs> like miniatures and stuff yep um adds another clan like it, there's so much stuff and it all looks gorgeous the map looks gorgeous uh i got the metal coins as well which you know i like me some metal coins <laughs> but then i felt bad about them because the other game we played right afterwards were had way better metal <laughs> coins um but yeah like it, it's gorgeous it's one of the nicest looking board games i've ever played um yeah and so much of it's so unnecessary but it's nice it's, oh it's yeah. so nice but I think that's one of the, the the nicest things about it, though, is that, you know, the, the minis are they're just completely unnecessary. There's no need for them whatsoever because you could play it, like you said, with, with tokens and markers and things, and the game would still be there. And I think that's why, you know, it is a really enjoyable game without those things. And when you add them on, it's just, it makes it a bit more of a spectacle and, you know just something to look at when you're playing the game as well yeah definitely uh i think that's it i think we've spoke about everything about it it is really cool yeah i'm gonna play again this weekend so we'll probably talk about it more next week <laughs> um, excellent but yeah cool. it's a damn good game yes definitely i'm so glad i backed on kickstarter i was a little bit I, I backed it because it looked really good and the miniatures cool mini do some really cool stuff that way and the rules i think the rule one of the videos that they had the video wasn't that good mm -hmm. um and i so i'd backed it and i was kind of 50 50 with it and i thought if wash comes to wash that i don't like it i can flip it yeah. you know because they do you, you know you'd be able to sell it for what you got for it because of all the extras that are not coming out in the retail version things like that mm -hmm. but then once it arrived and i read through the rules and i thought this is going to be good and yeah i was not disappointed anyway yeah cool i'm safe like i, I backed on kickstarter kind of because it looked pretty and i liked the theme um yes didn't really look too much into the rules like skimmed over them and i was like this seems all right but you know wasn't like super grabbed by the rules when i first kind of looked at them um uh -huh. but then i was like okay i'm gonna get it because it's pretty and it's got all this stuff and cool many or not stuff always intrigues me but yes. i don't back a lot of them I, if I, it's the first one i backed or stayed backed i've backed others and i backed out of them again <laughs> um just because they I, i'll read the rules and be like mm, don't know doesn't seem like my kind of thing this yeah, one there's... 
No, sorry. No, I was going to say that there is quite a few of their games where it is, you know, it is just this, this game is not that good, but you've got all these wonderful components, and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you just end up with a big mountain of plastic. Exactly. Like, what was that steampunk one they did a while ago that looked really cool, and then we actually read the rules, and it was like, oh, never mind. Oh, <laughs> I don't uh, need that. Was it the... Uh, they've just redone it. Um, yeah, they did, like, an expansion for it. it. Not not agents of smudge because that's something, but it's something, it's something like, like that. Something like that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, agents of something, and I, uh, I forget which ones it is. Yeah, but yeah, but without, we then played uh, one more board game, which was Dinosaur Island. Yeah, another Kickstarter. Uh, yeah, so this is a worker placement game. It's made by two gentlemen. One of them is a guy by the name oh, and I've forgotten his name. Uh, Jonathan Gilmore, I think it is. Uh, right. Yes. Uh, so that is one of the guys that made John Gilmore. He made um, Dead of Winter. So right. he co-made um, Dead of Winter, the zombie game. But this is far from zombies. It is a worker placement game, and it's basically Jurassic Park. Yes. Uh, yeah. You are building your own Jurassic, your own dinosaur park. Uh, or everyone is they're building their own separate parks and you're trying to get the the most money and victory points for building these wonderful parks you get points for a people coming to visit your park you get points for the dinosaurs in your park all the different attractions and some cool sunglass stands yes (laughs) some sunglasses uh the game is played in four it's got four distinct phases um and so phase one is the the DNA phase. You're collecting DNA, and it's the simple worker placement things. You've got specific workers for that side of the board. You place them on various places, and you get DNA um, because you need DNA to excuse me to create dinosaurs. You also have a problem though because you've got this little um, DNA board, and it's your storage is limited. You can only keep at the beginning of the game two or three of everything yeah and what you need to do is you need to find this balance between creating dna and increasing your storage for dna um so that's what you do in the first the first phase phase two is where you buy shit so <laughs> and i i think whenever we got to phase two that's where we should we were shouting and buy shit stuff time and you can buy things that will improve your park so you can buy um, attractions for your park um, or food stalls or uh, more sunglass stalls and things like that you can buy these things to put in your park you can oh sorry when you're uh, I forgot to mention when you're doing the the research phase for the DNA phase you can get a basic a dinosaur recipe as well yeah. So it gives you the space to create a, uh, a T-Rex, for example, and you place it in your park. So then you move on to the second phase where you're buying stuff. You can buy, like I said, the attractions and things for your park. You can buy specialists, so they kind of help you. And what these guys do is they break the rules of the game slightly. So uh, if there's a limit on slightly. how much the... <laughs> yeah. I, I was being diplomatic. You remember so the one there's... that Nathan got that gave him DNA every time anyone else got DNA? Yes. <sighs> yeah. Fuck. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's there's cards that do that, or there's cards that allow you to 
um, increase the security in your park for for free. You know, you can do it once a turn. Uh, so you can buy those kind of specialists. You can also uh, increase the research that's done in your lab and uh, for the, the next phase, which is the worker phase of the game, so the phase three. And this is done in real time. Everyone has a certain amount of workers and this is classic worker placement where you are placing a worker on a certain part of the board and you may create a dinosaur if you've got the DNA or you can place a dinosaur, uh, sorry, place a worker and upgrade the security of your park or you can make your dinosaur pens bigger so you can put more dinosaurs in there. Um, you do that and then the fourth phase, uh, the, the final phase is where your park opens uh, for the the season and you <clears throat> excuse me you get work uh, you get uh, visitors they come and visit and you get money for every visitor that comes into your park and then you you also then get victory points if they go and visit uh, various attractions uh, so you get a point for every visitor that comes and visits a certain attraction mm -hmm. uh, and then what happens as well is you need to check so you heard me saying about security levels if your dinosaur park does a security level that is high the lower than its threat dinosaur it's a threat so you need to be you know covered you need to have the electric fences and all that kind of stuff if you don't they get out and they eat your guests uh, and you basically you, you lose victory points for every uh every guest that gets eaten yeah it's and not that's... good it's not a good look <laughs> no no and but that's it that's a simplified version of how the game works it's done over these four phases and it's it reminds me a lot like the old you know the, the old sim city and kind of um theme park and theme hospital games yeah that's the, the a PC good comparison actually yeah it's very much like that kind of silly uh you know like good sense of humor to itself but yes. still really depth in depth like kind of you know construction thing yeah um so what did you what did you think i really liked it um it took me like a couple of rounds to kind of get my head around it and kind of know what i should be focusing on yeah uh, and then i realized what i should be focusing on was sunglasses stands <laughs> which are actually one of the most useless things you can add to your park because <laughs> guests can't visit them <laughs> no one buys sunglasses as it turns out um and t-rexes so i just filled my park with t-rexes and that, that worked out pretty well um yeah uh, that was pretty good and yeah i i really liked it it was it's got lots of cool mechanics it seems like you can build things in lots of different ways like by the end of it we were playing each round differently from each other because you know, Nathan had that thing that gave him DNA every time anyone else got DNA, so he just didn't bother using a scientist to get DNA ever. Because why would he? Why would he waste one getting DNA when he knew that we had to get DNA? So he, he would just copy the ability. Yeah, exactly. So he could just go and use it to make more slots to store DNA, uh, or keep one of his scientists over to use as a worker next round. Yeah. Um, I got rid of one of my scientists. Basically, just murdered him. Uh, for the <laughs> ability to roll one of the DNA dice at the end of the turn, uh, that phase, like one of the ones that hadn't been claimed by anyone, I got to roll that and just keep whatever came on that. So that'd be more DNA or 
the, I kept trying to find the one, like one of the dice we had, because there's a bunch of dice and they all have different things on them, and we picked a few at random at the start. One of them had the ability to get another yep. uh, dinosaur paddock in your park, so I kept trying to find that one to try and roll it, and I couldn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a fun game. I I do like just how different uh, everyone's kind of playstyles ends up becoming, how different everyone's parks are. Uh, yep. I'm always happy. I always really like it's one of my favourite things in games of that kind of style. I like a worker placement thing where you have a board that you're building up of your own to build a, you know, a thing. Like one of the games that I've been wanting to get for a while and I know you have as well because you were bidding on it recently and I almost bid against you. It was a uh, bear in park yes where you know you're building a bear park and it's that same kind of thing where i like that idea of you're building up a little thing and you're placing things different ways so by the end everyone has a board that looks different yeah um it's the same thing i really like then uh, uh between two cities you know everyone ends yeah. up with two different cities that look different <laughs> from everyone else's yeah yeah uh yeah it is the, it's a worker placement game but it it, I thought it was very simple to a lot of worker placements that I have played. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I, when you start to look at the... or start to talk about the, the quality of this game... Oh yeah, all the pieces are great. All the dinosaurs are design. beautiful little meeples. <laughs> yeah. The coins so are I so the, thick. The, the deluxe edition of this, so... Um, and there's a couple of different things that they did for the, the deluxe edition. So the normal edition of the game, the it comes with I think 36 dinosaur pieces and they're all the same I think it's little stegosaurus dinosaurs oh, okay. um, but if you got the deluxe. deluxe edition it comes with a six of I think it's seven different types of dinosaur yeah. so there's little uh, pterodactyls and there's little velociraptors and little t-rexes and things like that and we, I think we spent a, a lot more time as, I'm building a dinosaur. No, that's not the one that I need. <laughs> no, not no... me. I was just T-Rexes no. all the way. <laughs> I just have a full park of T-Rexes. <laughs> uh, and it makes no difference what little dinosaur you put in your park, but it just, you know, it adds to the fun of it. It was really yeah. cool. And that's kind of um, the atmosphere of it, because you're like, oh, this is my park. It's got these guys over here and these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the coins as well so they did metal coins for this and i don't think so you know nobody told them what the standard of metal coins is in board games because these <laughs> things are just overproduced to hell they're more they produced are... than the actual coins our country uses yes <laughs> the these are they've got a hell of a lot of weight in them they are absolutely gorgeous lovely um but yeah it's just they weighed down the box you know i brought the box out at kieran's house and i said here hold this box and he's like bloody hell what's that and it's just the coins yeah um the they did other silly things as well so the first player marker they they did away not did away with it but they replaced it with a a snap band from the the 90s mm -hmm. and the whole aesthetic the game the graphic design of the game is done in that kind of 90s uh, fluorescent, the loud style. And the reason they've done that is because it's an homage to Jurassic Park, which came out in the 90s. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, the game just looks absolutely stunning. Instead of wood, the meeples are made of plastic, um, and because it take the you know the fluorescent pinks and the purples and the yellows and everything that it uses just stand out when they use the plastic. Um, it's an amazing looking game and it's just a lot of fun to play as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed it and yeah, the the quality of it is just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so I think I, I I have seen people buying the you know the the retail version of it as well, and I think it's pretty much sold out now as well. So much so that I have seen uh, secondhand copies of the games, people flipping them for what they paid for them, because mm-hmm. people just cannot they, they can't get their game quick enough. Um, and that's understandable as well. So, but uh, I'll be holding on to mine. I won't be selling that. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think you know we're only into what February so far, and we've had two of the most anticipated games of the year so far in Dinosaur Island Rising Sun I have a funny feeling we'll probably be talking about them you know towards the end of the year as well yeah 100% cool uh, I think that's us for uh, board games as well yeah uh, I've played FNOS we talked about cool. Fortress last week which is the only one I've played ah yeah we got more yes yeah, yeah we did Shipwreck Arcana showed up Hardback yes. showed up. Yep. That paperback expansion came with hardback. Yes. Yeah. I was uh, my my copy of that arrived last night, so I was uh, busy drooling over the hardback and the the paperback expansion as well. Going yeah. right, I need to. I need to play these. Yeah, I can't wait to get those to the table because paperback is still just one of the best games. Yep. Um, should we go on to some news? Yeah. Uh, so I've only got a couple of stories here. Um, one of the ones that uh, Ben sent me because he's super excited for this game, and I'm also super excited for this <laughs> game, is uh, Paradox's new game, Surviving Mars, which is like a colonization kind of simulator thing. Uh, is coming out March fifteenth. You can pre-order it now. Uh, oh, cool! Didn't I? Don't think I had a release date before. Um, at the very least, you can pre-order. It. Um. Yeah, I, I'm gonna get that game. I think. <laughs> I'm pretty, um, like I'm kind of, I kind of don't stick with paradox games very much, except for Stellaris, which hey, I was playing Stars the other day. You know, I'll go back to it whenever. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping it's a good one. Um, another one is uh, Codemasters are doing uh are starting like a World Championships thing. For Dirt, yes. which will be yeah, live streamed on motorsport.tv, which is cool, I suppose. Yes, yeah, cool idea. Um, getting racing games into esports is a smart idea in my mind because I don't, there isn't really any like Grand Turismo did that weird training thing, but that was more, that yes. was less an esports thing. That was more a, I don't know, fucking F1 paid us to help find new drivers. So yeah, <laughs> we did that. Um, <laughs> but this like it's weird. Like most uh, esports stuff has been focused around you know fighting games, mobas, and um, like the odd first person shooter and stuff like that here and there. 
Yeah. I think racing games, actually, now I think about it, it's really weird they haven't caught on yet. Like, racing games are such a natural fit for watching. I mean, people do it for racing so much. They're literally yeah, based yeah. on a spectator sport. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I'm probably going to watch some of that. That could be really good. Um, watch people that can actually play Dark, because God knows I can't. Um, sure. THQ Nordic have bought uh, Coke Media, which oh. you may know both of these companies as the companies that bought parts of THQ when THQ went under. Yeah. Um, so THQ Nordic... Uh, bought things like the Blob. They bought. Uh, they bought Volition, I think. Oh no, sorry, Deep Silver bought Volition, so that includes yes. like Saints Row and stuff like that. And also, they bought Homefront. They bought Dead Island. Uh, or sorry, they made Dead Island. Uh, and a couple of other things. Uh, and Metro. They published the Metro games. Um, yes. Tissue Nordic picked up a bunch of things like the Blob, mostly the smaller things. Weirdly enough, like. The THQ games you've seen get re-releases recently, like the Blobs, one of the more major ones. Uh-huh. Um, and so apparently they were big enough that they could just buy T- uh, Coke Media and pick up the rest of the THQ assets, which is odd. Yeah, that is... It's a bit strange. Especially given, like, the one thing that Coke Media has kind of used them for so far has been uh, Volition made Ages of Mayhem. Which uh-huh. was a bad game that no one bought. Yes, but have you seen that there is a a Kickstarter for an Agents of Mayhem board game? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. no, wait, no, I did see that. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I don't know why. It's not like it had a big fan base or anything. But... Yeah, I, I don't know why they thought that, yeah, yeah. let's do that. They'll try and make it a thing. Um, well, whatever. It's a weird one, but yeah. Uh, Evil Within Two got a big update yesterday, uh, which added a first-person mode. So you can play oh, your okay. entire game first-person if you want to. Cool. Uh, which is weird. <laughs> I don't know. I never really thought of Evil Within as something that I'd want to play in first-person, but yeah. Um, I believe people had already modded it in on PC, so it was probably a case of they were like, "Eh, other people are doing it already. Might as well put this in consoles as well." Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, Poundland is now selling video games for not for a pound though right just false advertising um, oh. yeah. what are they selling they're selling uh, pre-owned games oh okay uh, yeah sourced from Music Magpie which is uh, Music Magpie do they have actual physical stores no they don't they're no. just a website that you could sell games to basically yeah um so, £350-land shops are going to be selling a mix of old games and your professionally refurbished games, which is still old games because you can't prefurb- refurbish a disc. That's fucking stupid. Um, such as Fallen New Vegas, Destiny 1, and uh, other games. Yeah. Well, they've been doing this for CDs and CDs. Yeah. Uh- Uh, I think uh, DS and 3DS uh, video games that they had in there before as well. Yeah, well, it seems like maybe they're more just rolling it out more than anything right. else. Like they were doing it in some test places, and now they're just like, yeah, sure, we're gonna sell stuff. Yeah. 
but they're selling for fiver, which is weird. <laughs> they're pound shop. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the fiver is too much money for the first Destiny. Let me tell you guys. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, and then the only other news story I've got here is one that is really you know, I'm excited about. Uh, Mount your friends has a sequel coming out. Uh, it was announced a while ago, but it's finally coming out February twenty third. And it's in 3D, and I'm so excited for it. Have you ever played My Your Friends, Mike? No. It's a 2D game. You've probably seen it at like one of like the 24-hour games things we used to do back in the good old days. Um, <laughs> it's like a 2D game where everyone is these kind of like really muscular, like bodybuilder types wearing nothing but like speedos with their their decks kind of flapping about. And it controls kind of like co-op, where each button has controls like one of the hands or one of the feet, and oh, you have right, to yeah. climb up. The you take a turn basically. First of all, you have to climb up a goat. Then next person has to climb up a goat and has to climb up you. Oh And then yes, next yes, person has to climb up those two. Yeah, I yeah. remember you telling me about it. So the new ones are 3D, which seems fucking insane. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, I look forward to it though. Because that first cool. game's great. Still one of the best kind of party games. And you can turn off the penises if you want it to be safe for work. That said, oh, fair enough. we have played it at work multiple times and we did not turn off the penises because it was much funnier not to. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's all the news I've got here. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to mention. Um, There is a Kickstarter for a... A miniature game that you might be interested in, oh, no. um, which is a Sonic the Hedgehog oh, racing God. miniature game. <laughs> yes, this game looks terrible. Oh yeah, it the miniatures look really, good, really bad. The miniatures just look like toys. Yes, which I'm kind of. Um, yeah, um, and it's it's quite expensive. Yeah. So I'm just actually looking to see if I can find the, the link here. But it reminds me of uh, I don't know if we covered it when it first came out. It was the Mega Man board game that was out. Yeah, uh, I think we mentioned it. Yeah, the the Mega Man board game came out, and you can now. It didn't even come out in Britain, because they were it was too much money, and they said no, no chance, we're not doing it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you can pick it up for like twenty dollars in any store in America. Yeah, I almost got Mike to pick, uh, Mike, I almost got Paul to pick up a copy for me when he was in America. Um, yeah, maybe I will next time. <laughs> I just want the pieces. That's one of those ones that is, you know, the running joke of oh, people only buy these Kickstarter games because they want the miniatures. I legitimately only want the miniatures from that Mega Man game. But man, I want those miniatures. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it's called Sonic the Hedgehog Battle Races, and uh, to get the full pledge, which gives you all of the expansions and all the miniatures and all the, the little characters and everything, is $150, so that's about £107, and then you're looking at another $30 odd on top of that for postage. Oh, money. It is, yeah, from for the game, from what they've put out in the Kickstarter, it's it's not worth that. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was it for news that I wanted to add. 
was because uh, I'd remembered seeing that uh, during yeah, the day. I had actually yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> uh, new releases. Uh, there's not much coming out for weekending the 23rd, so that will be the Friday coming up when you're listening to this. Uh, let's have a quick look. Uh, there's Rad Rogers for the PS4 and Xbox One from THQ Nordic. Uh, uh, oh, uh, one for you. Metal Gear Survive comes out. Yeah, I played the beta for that. I don't think we talked about it because I think it was during our hiatus. Yeah. Um, but that game's like surprisingly good. Like they made a cool like zombie survival game using the Metal Gear Solid Five engine. Like I think yeah. you would really like that, given you know. Yes, you, you can yeah. like those co-op zombie games usually. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. So I will. I'll check it out when it comes out. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, cool. Uh, there is for the PlayStation Vita, the PlayStation Four, and Nintendo Switch a game called Chicken Range. Never heard of that either. Yeah. No idea. Uh, something for the PS4 and Xbox One from Phantom Eight called Past Cure. I'm guessing uh, it's a low-budget horror game. Uh, quite possibly. Uh, Pity 2 comes to Nintendo Switch. Oh, I didn't realise that was coming out that soon. Yeah. Uh, it surprises me that how long that the longevity of that game, how long it survived. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good for them. It's, Past uh, Cure is a dark psychological thriller that blurs the lines between dreams and reality. An intense oh, no, cinematic story-driven experience that challenges the player to uh, to use mind-bending mental abilities to survive. This game actually looks quite good. Oh right, okay. The screenshots <laughs> on Steam look quite nice. Cool. Um, it doesn't have any reviews or anything yet though, because it's just it's not out. <laughs> so no one's played it. Uh, but it looks cool. Cool. Uh, got another Switch game here for you. Uh, Soldum Drop Connect Erase. Um, I recognise the name Soldum. So, uh, while you look for that, I will let you also let you know that coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox One is Sword, Sword Art Online Fatal Bullet yep. from Bandai Namco, and also a game for PlayStation VR, The American Dream. Never heard of that one. Uh, Soldum, I have heard of Soldum. Soldum is um, it's a, a puzzle game. It's a it's not match three but it's that, it's that same kind of style of uh, puzzle game it's got a bunch of anime characters and stuff cool. I think it came out for something else before like we've talked about it before we looked at screenshots of it before it came out right um, on other stuff but yeah it, it looks alright I never cool. played it but... and last thing I've got here is a a double pack for uh, Wolfenstein's New Order and the Old Blood that's kind of a weird one because those games are old. Like that's the yeah. first Wolfenstein remake, every uh, but Yes, that's right. Yeah, and the DLC so, for it. Like not even yeah. the first one and the second one. It's the first one and the DLC for the first one. Yeah. It's strange. So. Those yeah. are good games though. Cool. Um, uh, that's everything I've got for new releases. Uh, is there um, anything else you need to add or? Yeah. So it's not on this list. I've actually not seen it on a lot of lists. Like it's not listed on the playstation store or anything like that either but there's meant to be another anime game coming out this week as well um it was announced for the 20th of february all right um but then it's not showed up in any release list anywhere since they got announced so fuck knows uh which is little witch academia um it's called like the the 
Chamber of Time or something like that. Oh, right, okay. Uh, Blood Witch Academia is basically like anime Harry Potter. It's very good, it's very cute, very charming, very funny. Uh, I've recently got into it because my girlfriend's been binge-watching a lot of it, and I was like, I need to see what this is. I need to see if this is any good. And it is actually really good, so... Cute. It's all on Netflix. People should watch that. But that game's went to be coming out the 20th, so I'm probably going to pick it up, but we'll see if it comes out. Yeah. Because it's not up for pre-order. I assume it's digital only because some of those anime games are. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's no sign of it actually coming out. Like, it seems... If it is coming out, it's basically being buried. Alright. Which is quite bizarre. Shame. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. I think uh, that's it. I think the only thing left for us to do is thank everyone for tuning in and listening to our nonsense once again. And uh, if you want, you can send us an email. You can send us an email to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com or you can follow us on Twitter at glitchfreegame. Find us on Facebook, search for glitchfreegaming. And if you want, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.glitchfreegaming.com. Also check out our YouTube channel. Oh yes, yeah. Check you have out to search YouTube for channel. that though because we're not big enough to get our own URL. Yes. <laughs> you need to you need to be well known to be able to get like youtube.com slash gaming. So that won't go anywhere. Don't do that. Um, it's just a bunch of numbers and letters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so, uh, we've done a few game of the year videos and stuff like that i know we are talking about doing other things i think we just need to actually do them yeah paul's got some stuff that he wants to do in the pipeline i want to do some more stuff i think you want to do more stuff yes we need to kind of get we need to set, formalize it organize it yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool so i think uh, anything else to add before we bugger off and go to bed uh, not, not together, not uh, together. Uh, not together. Um, play video games? Or don't? Uh, I'm not the boss of you. Yep, you, you're not the real dad. I'm not your real dad. <laughs> but go and play board games anyway. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> cool, we, we shall see you next week in that case. Yep, see ya. See ya.